0: Welcome to episode number 185 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, entrepreneur, here to help you learn to thrive in life and not just survive. Today we're going to talk about recovery fatigue. And this comes up a lot, you guys, certainly in our sober society meetings. You know, sober society, our membership community, we have three online meetings every week. And this is something that really comes up regularly. And I get emails about it, people asking questions like, how do you deal with this? Is this a real thing? I feel so overwhelmed and recovery fatigue. This is not the kind of fatigue where. You're tired because you're early in recovery and your body is on the roller coaster ride of its lifetime. (laughs) Not that kind of fatigue, but fatigue because you're doing so many things for your recovery and you're feeling exhausted by it all. You start to get scared thinking like, Do I have to keep up this pace forever? This feels impossible. I'm so tired of doing all the things. And if I stop doing some of the things, does that mean I'm going to relapse? The short answer is no. And yes. (laughs) So, I know that doesn't feel helpful, but in the self help and coaching world, we call this brain fatigue or decision fatigue. You've heard me talk about it on many episodes too. Your brain gets tired. And if you're in any of my programs or if you've been listening to me for a while, you know I stand very firm on a few things. One, is personal responsibility, owning who you are and what you've done instead of blaming other people or situations for all your struggles. Number two, creating change from the inside out. That means changing thought patterns and perspective so that we create long-term change in our brains so it becomes second nature and super easy. And three is simplicity. How I guide you in this journey of life improvement is to be as simple as humanly possible so that decisions and actions don't take so much energy for your brain. Your brain makes thousands of decisions every day and it gets tired just like you get tired. Your brain gets tired. And something I've observed over the last decade plus of working with addiction is we have brains that go very fast. We think fast. We're impulsive so we can take a thought or an incident and latch onto it and catastrophize it and blow it out of proportion where it feels like the world is ending and we obsess. We obsess about the future, all the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if they don't like me? Or what if I lose my job? What if my kids decide they hate me? What if I can't have fun anymore? What if I run out of money? What if I don't close the sale? What if my business fails? What if my partner gets sick or leaves me or finds someone else? The what ifs are endless. They're also mostly false. (laughs) And I'm sure you've heard this before. But 85% of the things you worry about never happen. And if you have anxiety, which we all do on some level, then it spins even faster. Your brain spins even faster. People with addiction have incredibly powerful brains. And those super powerful brains get tired. The key here is to retrain our brains out of our old habits, thoughts, and behaviors into new thoughts and behaviors that fit our new lives. You can't put down the drink and move forward in your life, behaving exactly the same way that you did in your drunk life and expect a different result. So think about it like this. Your feelings are produced by your thoughts and our actions stem from our thoughts, right? So you have a thought, it creates a feeling and an action. We drink to numb feelings. We drink to numb discomfort and change how we feel. So what has to change here? (laughs) If your thoughts create your feelings, feelings turn to actions, and we drink to numb feelings, then obviously our thoughts have to change our habits, our perspectives, so that we create different feelings and we take different actions. A problem I see with so many people is they don't understand that we drink because of how we feel. Just because you put down the drink doesn't mean that how you feel magically changes the moment you quit drinking. You've been practicing those thought processes and reactions For years and years and years, when you quit drinking, you have to then focus on feeling better, understanding feelings better, building coping skills for feelings. So you don't want to drink to change the feelings. But what I see is people stop drinking and they just want to move on with their life as if nothing has changed. (laughs) You just want to go on and live exactly the same life and have the same habits and do the same things every day and not do any actual work. And you think it's all going to get better just because you put the drink down. But we drink for a reason. This is one of the things that creates that abnormal relationship with alcohol, for those of us that are alcoholics, problem drinkers, compulsive drinkers, that relationship is abnormal because we use it for the effect. See, non-alcoholic people don't use alcohol for anything. They don't even care about alcohol. But we rely on it for the effect that it gives us. And the effect is numbing those feelings, taking those feelings away. Let me give you an example of perspective and feelings and thoughts, right, all put into one. Several months ago, there was a post in our Facebook group. And you know, I'm going to say this, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, get your happy buns over there. (laughs) It's the Addiction Unlimited Podcast Facebook group. It's totally private. So somebody had put in there. A post about just like their life was a mess, right? Like uh, my partner left me. I lost my job. I have no money. I got evicted from my apartment. Like whatever it was, you name it, it happened. And this person is sitting there. My life is a mess. Everything is wrong. And I chimed in and I said, well, it sounds like you're in the perfect place to start building a new life. This is perspective. Perspective. And that person responded and they were so grateful for that shift in perspective because they were stuck in all the negativity and all the problems. And for me, I'm like, dude, you're at rock bottom. Like, let's build a whole new thing and not repeat all this and not make this mess again. Let's clean up this mess, build a new foundation, have a whole new life. Are you sitting in the problem, wallowing in the negativity, giving away all your power? If your thoughts are this negative, then it's no surprise your brain is tired. It's exhausting. It's a total energy drain when all you think about all day long are your problems, your issues, what's wrong in life, what you don't have. That's exhausting. I had somebody else one time. This is another good one. You know, we're always talking about gratitude. And in one of my coaching groups many years ago, this probably seven or eight years ago, Uh, one of the ladies said, she said, how do you find gratitude for a really crappy day? (laughs) And I said, well, a really crappy day is one perspective. I said, I would switch that around to, thank goodness this day is coming to an end and we have a fresh start tomorrow. (laughs) That's perspective. Those are the things that we have to change, right? If your perspective is always a downer. And on the negative side, it's going to create feelings that are a downer and on the negative side. And what happens when all your feelings are a downer? When everything you feel is negative and harsh, it's overwhelming, it's exhausting. What do you think is going to happen? You want a solution. What is your solution, your go-to solution that you've used forever? It's a drink. This is the importance of really understanding those underlying issues and creating change on an internal level, not just putting down the drink, but I have to create change in who I am. That's what wears you out. So what is this mental fatigue, brain fatigue, decision fatigue, recovery fatigue, (laughs) whatever label you want to put on it? you get to a place of feeling just like your brain just isn't functioning right. You know, the brain fog, you hear people say that, use that term all the time, the brain fog, or you hear, I hear a lot of women talk about um, pregnancy brain. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense that you would have pregnancy brain, right? Because you're building a human being inside of you. Like this is a pretty big, important job that your body and your brain are doing. There's a lot of things your brain is thinking about in that time. So it makes perfect sense that you would have some brain fog. It is trouble concentrating, feeling like even the most simple tasks take forever. Um, Find yourself like reading when you're reading a book or Yeah, when you're reading a book, (laughs) reading the same paragraph over and over, going over the same things over and over again. It's just mental exhaustion, burnout, fried brain, whatever you want to call it. But it happens to all of us and it can sneak up on you. And here's another way that this really relates to drinking and getting sober, right? Because obviously your brain is going to feel more fatigued, after you've had a big stressful moment or something that you've had to really be thinking about a lot, a really stressful moment, which for most of us is be, would be rock bottom. Your rock bottom doesn't have to be as dramatic as mine, but rock bottom is still rock bottom. It's just the moment that you're like, I can't take this anymore. Something's got to change. So when you have... A moment of major stress that's really consuming all of your thought process, of course, you're going to have some brain fatigue. And it's different too, because, you know, it's easy to understand or to recognize when we're physically tired. Like when my body is exhausted, that's easy to figure out, right? Like, if I have a couple of days of really hard workouts, like two or three days in a row, like obviously my body's going to be tired. My limbs are going to feel heavy. Sometimes my face gets puffy, my eyes will get puffy. Uh, And I just don't have any energy. So it's easy to recognize physical exhaustion. But mental exhaustion is a little bit harder, right? You have to pay more attention, you have to know what you're looking for. And just having an understanding of how it works and when it's going to rear its ugly little head. You you have to have an, an understanding of what brings on really an episode of recovery fatigue, brain fatigue, decision fatigue, whatever you want to call it. You know, too, you get so busy juggling everything in life. Everybody is so busy. We all have so much going on. And you have these moments like you're just in survival mode. I just have to get it done. I have to do this, and then I have to do this, and then I have to go here, and I have to get this done. And you're definitely headed towards some exhaustion or burnout when you're constantly in that state of mind. When I was researching this episode, too, I came across this list of... For mental fatigue, how can you tell if you're dealing with mental fatigue? And these are the things, this is the list of kind of symptoms, what to look for. Feeling overwhelmed or run down, feeling out of touch with your feelings and emotions, lacking enthusiasm for things that typically bring you joy, stomach aches and digestive problems, head pain, changes in appetite sleep problems, including disrupted sleep or fatigue. And it said you might also experience other changes in mood or emotions, cynicism, apathy, lack of motivation, and trouble focusing. These are all signs of an overworked brain. Uh, Does that sound like early recovery or am I crazy? (laughs) I mean, really, cynicism, apathy, lack of motivation, like that is definitely early recovery stuff. And when I say early recovery, really, I usually mean like your first year. You hear people talk about the pink cloud. The pink cloud is just a term of when you're really up because of your recovery. You feel really good. You have this little euphoric high because your energy is back. You're not drinking anymore. You're just feeling better all around. Your body's healing. And that's the pink cloud. And some people have it and some people don't. But, you know, the pink cloud is going to pass, too. Every good mood passes just like every bad mood passes. So when I say early recovery, really, I'm typically referring to in the first year. And it's not always at the same time for everybody. These are just phases that ebb and flow, you might have the pink cloud for a while, you might struggle with cynicism, apathy and lack of motivation. And then they'll switch places. <laughs> you know, a couple months down the road, you may go to the other side. So it just all ebbs and flows. But it does make perfect sense when you think about all those things. That you would feel overwhelmed and exhausted by all of this stuff that's happening when you're quitting drinking. Especially in that first year, you're doing all the things, right? You're going to meetings, you're reading all the books, you're listening to podcasts, you're fighting cravings, you're trying to make all the right decisions. Like it's a lot, and I get it. I remember feeling exactly the same things. I remember having this period when I was newly sober. I think I was around four months sober. And I remember thinking, like, huh, is this it? Like, is this what my life is going to be now? Is this all we're doing, like, forever? This is it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just feeling a little off about it and, and, dissatisfied. In 12 steps, we say irritable, restless, and discontent. And that is the perfect way to describe what I felt for sure. What I teach is the importance of doing things you already like and enjoy, creating a lifestyle of healthy habits and engaging in activities you like so it doesn't forever have to revolve around recovery. If you like reading and you make that a healthy part of your life, then you can read about recovery, you can read about codependence, you can read a romance novel, an autobiography, you can read young adult fiction. I mean, it doesn't matter what you read. It's that it's something that you already enjoy that you can engage in, that can lessen anxiety, that can give your brain an opportunity to relax and recover from all the decisions in fatigue. And it's something you can do forever. It doesn't have to always be about sobriety. If reading brings you relief and joy, then I want you to make reading a part of your regular life. You don't have to spend the next 50 years reading about sobriety. The other part of this, you guys know I say this all the time, (laughs) life takes work. If you want a great life and you want to be a great person, then it takes even more work. It's not recovery that's hard. Life is hard. When we talk about that recovery fatigue, it isn't about the sobriety piece of the equation. It really comes down for many of us This is the first time we've faced our feelings and our own drama, and we're actively taking steps to self correct. We're fixing the missteps of our drunken past. And yes, that takes time and energy and commitment. And a lot of us too have great success in certain areas of life great success in work, great success building a family, great success with education. But we still used alcohol as an escape route when those things felt difficult. You checked out, used work as an excuse to be absent from your home because you had to take clients out to dinner. And you didn't have to face that regular life stress of dinner, homework, bath time, bedtime, connecting with your partner, being supportive of your partner or relieving their stress. Now, as a sober person, that escape is gone. You have to actually face life and be present. That's why it feels hard. Not because it's terrible and you can't do it, but because you don't have as much practice yet. You have to do something a million times to get good at it. It takes practice. All of these skills and actions and thought processes are new when you stop drinking You're feeling a lot of things. Your brain is having to make a ton of different decisions. And it's having to think about things more because you're doing it differently and it gets tired. It doesn't have anything to do with recovery, really. When I started changing my lifestyle with food and exercise, I went through all the same things. I felt like it wasn't working. I felt like I should have been better at it. Or I should have been seeing different results or more results. Faster, of course. We always want everything faster. I kept screwing up my food because for so much of my life I ate poorly and I love food and I love food that's not good for you. (laughs) It has taken me years of practice to get to this place now where I'm making healthful choices about 60% of the time. And I feel myself getting better all the time. But that doesn't mean I do it perfectly. And it doesn't mean that I don't get irritated with the whole process and want to give up and quit because it's exhausting. It's exhausting because I'm changing lifelong habits. And my brain has to constantly be on and thinking things through and thinking about the consequences and always looking for shortcuts to make it a little easier. It's brain fatigue, not food fatigue not recovery fatigue. (laughs) It's brain fatigue, life fatigue. So here's another way I want you to think about this too. I want you to think about this in terms of vulnerability. There are things that happen in our lives that leave us more vulnerable to alcohol luring you back in, right? If you're tired, that leaves you more vulnerable. If you're lonely, that leaves you more vulnerable. Having an emotional hangover leaves you vulnerable. And an emotional hangover is anything that, anything you're involved in that takes a huge emotional toll on you, right? It could be a million things. It could be a hard day at work or losing a job. It could be, you know, I I don't know, getting in a car accident. It could be problems with your kid or your kid is sick. It could be a million things. But when you put a ton of thought and feeling in something, it can leave you with a little bit of an emotional hangover. And that makes you vulnerable. When you are vulnerable, alcoholism will prey on that. That's when it starts chirping and saying, oh, a drink would be so good right now. You know, you could have a drink. Nobody would even know. Maybe this time will be different. You can control it now. You haven't had any for a while. You can control it now. That's how it preys on you. If you put yourself in a vulnerable position, it will prey on you. I don't care if you've been sober 200 years, it's going to prey on you. So if you remember a while back, I guess it's been a long time ago now, I did a podcast about are you investing in your recovery? When you make a withdrawal from yourself emotionally, energy, physically, any of that, you have to then make a deposit. So if you are in a vulnerable position, if you had a crazy hard day of traveling, let's say you went on a family vacay, that's going to make you tired enough. But the travel day, especially if you have kids, is going to make you really tired. Tired leaves you vulnerable. So if you make that withdrawal of doing that and putting yourself in a position of being tired, then you have to make a deposit. You have to do something to replenish your own energy resources. And this is where willingness really comes in, because you have to be willing to make this time for yourself. And when I say make this time, that doesn't mean that it has to be a huge chunk of time, right? This is another way that our little brains will take things and twist it up and blow it out of proportion and make it completely inaccurate. When I say you have to make time for yourself to do this, that doesn't mean you have to sit down and meditate for an hour in a dark room. It doesn't mean you have to go to a meeting somewhere you don't want to go. It doesn't mean any of that. Stop talking yourself out of stuff. This is how you rationalize not taking action. So stop all those thoughts right now. When I say you have to be willing to make this time for yourself I mean, it could be two minutes. You can't meditate for, I can't meditate for an hour and I've been meditating a long time. But you know what? If I don't have a lot of time, I will absolutely sit down and do a little something for two minutes. It doesn't need to be 60, it can be two. Just do that. Doing something is better than nothing. And think about this excuse also this I don't have time. I don't have time only means I don't want to. Because if you broke your phone right now, if you dropped your phone in a puddle of water and the screen shattered and your phone won't come back on right now, you bet your happy buns you would make time to get to the store and get a new phone immediately. So when you say, I don't have time for that, that just means I don't want to do that. And I want you to catch yourself on this because this is an excuse that we use for a lot of things. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. When something is a priority, you make time. So saying I don't have time just means you don't want to do it. It's not a priority to you. Our phones are a priority. If you broke your phone right now, you would drop everything and go get a new phone. Or at least by the end of the day, for sure you would have a new phone. So don't trip yourself up on, I don't have time. And making time is your responsibility. What did we talk about in the top of the episode when I said things that I stand really firm on? Personal responsibility. I am my responsibility. My life, how I feel about my life and how much of a mess my life might be is my responsibility. It's nobody else's. You are your responsibility. So if you need to make time and you have a very busy schedule, everybody is busy, you guys. Everybody is spread way too thin. So figure out where you have moments of time. Again, don't think you have to do something for an hour at a time. Think about doing something two minutes or 10 minutes right? What do I talk about all the time with bathroom breaks? There is no situation on the planet that it's inappropriate to excuse yourself to the restroom. The restroom is a fantastic place to have two to three minutes of quiet time. However you want to do that. Any situation you're in, you can excuse yourself to the restroom. Chill out, deep belly breaths, talk yourself through okay, I'm okay. I'm safe. I can do this. It's challenging for this moment, but we're going to get through it. We can handle this. I want to go back into this situation with a smile. I want to be relaxed, feel good. I want to smile at my coworkers or whoever. You talk yourself through it. It takes minutes, not hours, minutes. Think about your drive. When you're driving in your car, whether you're driving home from work, that's a great time to plug something in to replenish your energy reserve, to give your brain some recovery time. When you drive home, you can listen to something awesome or powerful, or you can have just some time in silence. And again, having that conversation with the committee, as I call it, I have a conversation with the committee every morning and I go through how I want to feel that day, who I want to be in that day, how I want to show up for my clients or in my business, for my employees, whatever it might be. But I have that conversation and I lay out exactly who I want to be and how I want to feel. You can do that while you're driving in total silence. Or you could use that time to call one of your friends and vent, get that stuff out. But when you're in your car is a great time to take advantage of. Or in the shower, you've heard me talk about this before too. When I'm starting a new habit or maybe I'm listening to new recordings, you know, motivational things or guided meditations, things like that. I'll turn that stuff on when I'm in the shower because I'm a captive audience. I'm not doing anything else. It's easy for me to pay attention because my attention can't be split 42 different directions. So think about where you have little pieces of time that you can utilize as brain recovery time. Replenish your brain, let your brain rest Give it some good positive messages and think about it that you need to do it extra when you're in a place of vulnerability. If you had a hard day at work, it leaves you vulnerable because you're tired. If your kids are going through something, vulnerable. A fight with your partner or a family member, vulnerable. Car trouble, vulnerable. High anxiety days, vulnerable. Uh, Say so you your kid is sick and you have to miss work. That causes stress and fear. All of this leaves you vulnerable. When you have a really tough day and you have that gratitude at the end of the day, oh, I'm so grateful that this day is coming to a close. Tomorrow we have a fresh start. Know that because you had a tough day, you're going to have to do some extra replenishing and recovery for your brain. You have to take the time, because you made major withdrawals of your energy reserves in your brain energy, you're going to have to take some time to deposit. Self-soothe, whatever that looks like for you. And, you know, there's a million of the regular things we always talk about that you can do to combat this brain fatigue, decision fatigue. Uh, work on sleep. And again, this is your responsibility, guys. You have to follow through on this, okay? I have major struggles with sleep, and I got myself to a place of exhaustion just a few months ago. I was in a really dangerous spot with my health because I wasn't taking care of myself the way I needed to. And I had to make some changes, right? I had to look at my sleep because I don't sleep well. And in my research on that, one of the things I came up with was magnesium. So I'm trying that because that's a major issue with sleep is not getting enough magnesium. I didn't even know that. So I'm doing magnesium. I'm also sleeping later. You know, I used to get up at 4.35 a.m. every day. Well, now I'm sleeping a little bit later because my body needs to sleep. My body needs rest. My brain needs Rest. Food plays a huge role in this too, right? Eating really crappy food, fried food, lots of sugar, those things play a major role in your brain and how you feel and and dropping your energy. And it affects you. Food affects your cognitive behavior, right? Your cognitive ability is affected by food. This makes a huge difference. Water plays a huge role in that too. Exercise. This is another one where I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I don't want to hear all the excuses of not having time, or I don't want you to take this in your brain, in your overactive brain, and blow it out of proportion, like you have to go to the gym for two hours, seven days a week. Stop. Walk around the block. Take your dog for a walk. Go to the park with your kids. This doesn't have to be a huge ordeal. Go on YouTube like I used to do. I went on YouTube and I would look up 15-minute yoga and I would do 15-minute yoga right at my house. You don't have to go anywhere. It doesn't cost a dime. But getting movement makes a lot of difference. Uh One of the things I found that I thought was such a cool that you just don't see in any of these lists, right? All all this stuff is so much of the regular stuff that we all know to do, but this one Really caught my attention. It was being affectionate, be physically affectionate. Affection relieves stress, it improves your mood, it helps you sleep better. I didn't know any of that. But that can reduce the strain of emotionally taxing things, things that take a lot of withdrawals. And physical affection doesn't always need to be sex, it's a hug. It's cuddling with your pet. All of those things are helpful. You know, another thing I had to do for myself physically is I had to rearrange my workout schedule because I was upping my workouts and working out a little bit harder and really challenging myself. And I had to change my schedule around where I had rest days in different spots. So I wasn't doing hard workouts so many days in a row. I have to have a rest day. I have to replenish my body. I have to let my body recover. I have to let my brain recover. Because when I work out and really push myself, those are brain things. Challenging myself to not stop when it gets uncomfortable. Challenging myself to even go to the damn gym. You know, that's all brain stuff that leads. That's all decisions that we're making constantly. And your brain can get tired. Um, Ask for help. You will never, ever, ever hear me say, That you have too much help. There's no such thing as too much help. Reach out, connect with people, share yourself, and let people share themselves. All these things help, but it's our responsibility to take the actions, to be willing to try things That maybe we don't want to try or that maybe your brain instantly goes, oh, that won't work for you. You don't need to do that. That one doesn't apply to you. Listen, if your brain is telling you that, that's a really good sign that it's exactly what you need to do. But it's our responsibility to follow through on those things and take action on those things. And give your brain the opportunity to heal and recover from its own fatigue I'm glad we had this conversation because it isn't about the recovery, right? It's not about all the recovery things. It's just really you're doing things differently. You're breaking habits that have been in place for a long, long time. You're making different choices. Your brain is having to think more because it's having to make different decisions. And it's having to make really important, serious decisions. We're going to talk about this more in the Facebook group. Again, if you are not a part of the Facebook group, get your happy buns over there. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Addiction Unlimited. And I will link that in the show notes for you as well. So you can click on there right from your favorite podcast app. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.